It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. This episode is brought to you by Zencaster, the amazing platform I've been using to record the audio and video versions of this show since March 2020. It is the number one tool I recommend to podcasters. So if you're thinking of starting your own show or optimizing one you already have, visit Zencaster.com. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com. It's free to try and you can enter the code WELLEVATOR to receive 30% off your first three months of the pro plan. WELLEVATOR is spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. There are so many directions that I'm excited to get into or go towards with today's guest, Aiko. And I want to start off with the phrase that Aiko used. I believe it was when we were corresponding before setting up the recording, or it could have been on your website, Aiko. I looked at both and this phrase of how to use mindfulness to navigate oppressive systems is really fascinating to me. I'm excited to dive into that. And along the same lines, you have posted about how you want to help people understand how to use obstacles as allies. And also this question of when does marginalization become a source of strength? So I see those three points as being kind of under the same umbrella, but I'm wanting to use that as a jumping off point about what those mean to you. What does it mean to use mindfulness to navigate oppressive systems and using these obstacles as a source of strength? Yeah. Well, let's start out by how I define mindfulness is from my teacher, Diana Winston. It's paying attention on purpose with curiosity, openness, and a willingness to be with what is. So when I say that we could use mindfulness to kind of navigate oppressive systems, I mean, it's because most of the time we're not paying attention. You know what I mean? We're just like in that autopilot mode. We're like, you know, all of our, it's just the routine. We're in a routine and we're in a ritual. So we're not paying attention. It's like, I always say like, you know, when you're driving to work, you don't know how you get there, right? You're just there sometimes like, whoa, how did I even get here? That's really how we live our life, right? So we don't even realize that we're in a system until we're able to wake up, right? And get like clarity about what's really going on. And for me, mindfulness is a practice that really allows that to happen because it's the only time in my day where I don't have any influence, right? Like there's not people talking to me. Maybe there's not people in my environment. I'm not at work or with my friends. It's just me and me. So like understanding who I am, you know, and being able to connect with my body, which I think is really important, right? Like The mind, like, you know, we bullshit ourselves, we gaslight ourselves, we do all of that stuff. Like, was that racist? Was that sexist? Was that rude or mean? Like, 
we question, even though our body, we feel it, right? Like someone says something rude or mean or making you feel like you don't belong. Like we feel it in our body. So connecting to that feeling and not this, whatever we're thinking about will kind of teach us where we are, you know what I mean? And who we're dealing with in a better way. And that way we could take care of ourselves, you know, in a more well-rounded way, not that like shallow. So over this like wellness mama, eat your this and you know what I mean? Like do your yoga and whatever. It's like, you could do all that fucking shit. And if your boss is a torture machine, if your friends are assholes, if you're married to someone shitty, it doesn't matter how many vegetables you eat. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter how much you're, this emotional and mental wellness is what makes our life run smooth, you know? And then when you feel well, then you want to act in those ways too, right? It gives you the energy and the space. But I think that we're backwards. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, especially for us women, like we're backwards here. And it's really diet culture. If you just like, if you just uncover it a little bit, it's like bitches want to lose weight and look hot, period. You know what I mean? You wellness mama, blah, blah, blah. No, you just want to look hot. Stop, you know, like get real. That's what I feel like. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, you already touched upon some other things I want to get into. And I can really relate to this. In fact, yesterday I was, and maybe the day before too, I was feeling a lot of heaviness and I was trying to work through it. And, and generally, I don't know if it's just a coping mechanism of mine, but I can be a little too hyper self-aware and I'll want to try to solve it. Like that's probably something I could work on is is just allowing and not trying to fix. Yeah. And generally my version of fixing is going to research and understand. And actually yesterday I was diving into the phrases girl boss and boss babe because those words don't feel good to me. And I was thinking like, why don't they feel good? I couldn't, to your point, like get it out on paper, but I felt it in my body. I was coming across a lot of these girl babe types, boss babes. Those are terms that were being used <laughs> in some communities that I was in. And I was like, why doesn't this feel good to me? And to your point, I actually started doing some research. I found some incredible articles, which I can link to in the show notes. I might do a separate episode on this, but for the listener, everything that we mentioned today will be in the show notes at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. If you go there, there's a full transcript, there's quotes, and there's links. And I will link to some of these incredible oh, pieces. <laughs> and actually, one of the big realizations that I had through reading was that they tend to... Girl boss and boss babe culture is often rooted in diet culture mm -hmm. and status exclusivity. And it's positioned as being very feminist and powerful and, and you know, forward moving for women. But the reality is it's actually very rooted in capitalism and oppression. And a lot of the women that are in the girl boss and boss babe movements or representing them are thin, are white are cisgendered, are affluent. And so it's created this model that if you don't fit that, you have to push yourself. Like me, for example, I've always felt like I have to be a certain body size in order to fit in. I have to wear a certain clothes, do my hair a certain way, you know, show up. But I could do those things easily and I have done them. But what about somebody who isn't white that can't change the color of their skin? What about someone who can't change the size of their body no matter how hard they try or maybe they don't even want to? But 
they feel like failures because they don't fit into that boss babe and girl boss mode. I imagine that (laughs) resonates with some of the things that you're passionate about too. Well, yeah. And to be honest, like we're on social media. And so like life is so visual now. And it's kind of just like high school where it's like you want to align with people that are rich and powerful and affluent. And it really is about survival, right? It's like these people are surviving and that's why they're so attractive and they're making it look easy and good and they have access. But yeah, that's not really the way it is. And even within those communities, it's not that way. I feel it's predatory in a way, you know, because not a lot of people even, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for four or five years. It's not as easy as it seems, as it appears at all. There's a lot of muck and dirt and you know how it is. It's like, it's difficult. And I don't think anybody talks about the reason why it's difficult is because like people are broke. You know what I mean? People don't have resources like that. They just really don't. And like, I grew up extremely poor in like a, you know, this happens a lot in like with immigrant families. Like my mom was a first generation Japanese woman and she was a single mom. So like she was able to get us in like a really nice neighborhood, but like in the shittiest part of that neighborhood. Right. So like the affluence and the privilege that I was surrounded with made me feel like there was something wrong with me inherently because just at the baseline level, I didn't have the same resources. You know, that's just the way it is. And like, even with these communities, it costs money to enter those communities. You can't be a boss babe society member or girl boss, whatever, without paying a fee. And then it's obviously if you have to pay, there's a paywall and that that wall is literally excluding people of color, women, single moms, all kinds of people. And I don't know if they have like, you know, what do you call it, like scholarships or whatever. I'm not really sure. But if they do, it's not very obvious, you know. Yeah. And it's so interesting because a lot of the messaging is positioned around like, if you just follow my advice, you can be rich too, or you can be successful too, or you can be beautiful too. All this. It's basically take my knowledge, pay me money and achieve this level of status. And I used to be really deep in that world. I even, Mm -hmm. I think, to be honest, that I got caught up into it to the extent of the price points because that mentality, the capitalism element of it, of like, you got to charge what you're worth and all this, you know, wording that's put out there is very enticing. You know, when I've done work in the coaching world and I, sadly, I think coaching has started to be, get such a bad association to it because there are so many people taking advantage of others and calling themselves a coach saying like, just follow my strategy and you'll get all of this stuff too. But it's just like going back to diet culture. From my perspective, I've spent my whole life immersed in diet culture as as many, if not most women in the States have at least. And this idea of like, if you just do this, you'll get these results. But I am one of those people who have tried pretty much anything you could name and rarely have I gotten the results I was promised. And that's led me to feel like I'm a failure. So now I have to do all this extra work on top of it to not feel like a failure. It's like I have to, 
I was trying to take in all of their information and guidance to get somewhere because they were promising me this promised land. And then you don't get there or the doors are shut on you by the time you do all that work and finally get there. And you have to turn around and go all the way back to the beginning and like along the way, shed all of the things that you learned and all the badness that came with it. And I imagine that for some people, that's debilitating. Yeah. I run a group called Food Body Self. And the purpose of the group is to get people off that track. I mean, maybe people come in and they think they're going to lose weight. (laughs) Gotcha. I don't care about you losing weight. You know what I mean? I care about you losing the mentality that you need to, you know what I mean? Or that there's something inherently wrong with you if you can't, you know? I'm not sure who said it. It's obviously somebody smart, but it's like, we're not thinking our own thoughts, you know? We're thinking our culture's thoughts. And I don't think that people are aware of that because they're just not paying attention. It's like, where did you even get the idea that there's a body type that you should be fitting into? Like, where does that even come from? Like, where does it all come from? I think it's it's something to, we have it like, Obviously, I'm a woman. I've been trying to lose weight and get in shape. And I and I did for a while. And I might have looked really healthy, but it's really, it was really just disordered eating and disordered working out. That's what I was doing. I was overworking out, working out two times a day, having my meals super structured. And it was like I didn't even have time for life because I was so worried about what I was putting in my body or how I was moving my body. Ultimately, no matter what bullshit I was saying before. It was because I wanted to look a certain way. So I'd feel like I belong, period. And I think that's how it is for everybody. (laughs) But it takes a lot of truth telling, right? Like you have to sit with yourself and just realize that that's the truth and keep asking that why. Why? Where did I get this idea? Where did it come from? Do I even believe it? You know, it's hard. You know, I still look at myself in the mirror, stretch marks you know, love handles, loose skin, all the things that happens when you have a, have kids, you know, and I don't, I'm not like, Ooh, (laughs) that shit looks hot. You know what I mean? But I'm at a place of neutrality because that doesn't define who I am at all. That's the least interesting part about me is what I look like naked. Trust me. (laughs) It's not interesting. It's very much like a, you know what I mean? Like a paint running down. (laughs) It's not, you know, I feel like you can't get to where I am with body neutrality if you're constantly allowing yourself to have images in front of you that are telling you otherwise. You know, people on Instagram, I always tell people, my clients, please clean your feed. Like, you know, you there's those three little dots up there. Do not show me things like this. When you're scrolling on your feed on Instagram, I probably two months, I'm like, do not show me this. Do not show me this. And it's like Kardashian, you know, beach body, all of the things. It's like, do not show me that shit. That's not real. Like I want somebody with the realness in front of me. So it matters what you see. It really does. Yes. A hundred percent. And I think that's probably why this girl boss culture doesn't resonate with me. And it's not to say it's exclusively women of one size and skin color and age, but it's dominated by that for sure. Just like wellness tends to be, as we were talking about offline before we started recording, you know, I really had to take a reality check at what's going on in the wellness world. And unfortunately, it's dominated by status and, you know, all of these 
like the status quo, basically. And I don't like the way the status quo is right now. So it <laughs> it might feel satisfying to say, I'm going to rebel against the status quo. But then I wonder if there's just always this sense of not fitting in and not belonging. That certainly comes up for me. Like sometimes yeah. it feels good to stand out and do things differently, but sometimes you just want to belong and you don't totally. want to see realness too. And I find myself really struggling to look at anybody online who's using filters, who's using a lot of makeup, who's, you know, everything looks polished or edited. Like it doesn't reinforce what I want to experience. And I'm so grateful to just see diversity in every imaginable element, you know. And part of that, I think, is something that's been pointed out a lot on the content I've been taking in is how there seems to be this trend of beauty right now where so many women look the same and they'll show pictures. like a, <gasps> It's kind of like the Kardashian look. They're yeah. all doing their makeup the same. They're doing their hair mm-hmm. the same. They're wearing the same clothes. Like It's like turning into clones of each other. And I'm just so fascinated. Why? It's fucking weird. It's weird. Just straight up weird. It is. I, I, that's the part, mindfulness, right? Like, Let's get some clarity here. Like, this is a little strange that people feel like they have to, you know, like I had friends when we were in our 20s, early 20s, getting fillers, Botox and all. And I'm from L.A. So like, it's just part of that culture. You know, it's like keeping up with the Kardashians is the perfect title for that show because every bitch was trying to keep up with the Kardashians and still is, you know, But and for what reason? I don't know. You know, you're not going to be Kim. Sorry, you're not. You're not going to be a bajillionaire. You're not going to have that ass, that skinny, whatever. That's just not, you know, but the striving, the striving. And that's why I say that being part of a marginalized group is a little, I mean, it's obviously not easier, but when we're talking about like a sense of self, it is because I don't fit that, you know, I'm not white. I didn't have blonde hair. I didn't have blue eyes. I don't got big tits. I don't have any of that. I never have, never had money, never had access. No, 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 no. Right. So it's like, for me, I got to be authentically who I was because there was no way that I was fitting in that mold, you know? So, and it developed this personality loud, (laughs) I like to laugh and the laugh, the comedy, like people say that I'm funny, but I'm only funny because I had to be funny, right? Like, look at me, see me, hear me. I'm getting uncomfortable. I got to make a joke. I got to lighten it up. You know what I mean? So it's like things that people might say are positive about me are really just kind of like the protection that I built around myself to not get hurt or not to not be like, cast aside or, you know what I mean? So that's fascinating because once you realize that you've been accepted for your mask, then did it create this sense of fear within yourself that what happens when you take off the mask? Will people still accept you and love you? Like, how did you go through that shift in your life? Yeah. You know, I have really good friends, I think, you know what I mean? I have really good girlfriends that see me for me, you know, I couldn't hide that I was poor. You know, I was so poor. You couldn't hide that I was poor. So any person that I had in my life knew that about me already. So it kind of already, it did its work for me, the poverty. It got rid of everybody that would judge me 
or that wouldn't care for me or that wouldn't love me or that would think negatively about me because of my economic status or my family's. Like, so I had great, great friends. And that's another, it was like, that was real. I couldn't hide it, you know? So all of my friends now are really, really just special women, mostly white women too, you know, really woke ass white women that have seen my struggle, you know, like going to school with me, trying to get a job, being in relationships that weren't really healthy, this sense of this lack of self-worth that I grew up having, you know, they were able to see like, oh, I, you know, I see how she's in pain here. And they've been like a real source of just like real nurturing and love and care. But it's because I had to show up as who I was, you know. But, you know, when you're online building a business, it's a little different, right? You can't be like, I'm poor, give me your money. (laughs) Or, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, especially Instagram, I work on Instagram, you know, that's where I live. That's where I write. That's where I post. That's where I live. And so it's really image focused. Like no one even reads my shit. I write the most beautiful (laughs) posts, but no one, no one reads them. If everybody just wants to see, see what you have, see what you got, see what you're doing. And that's why people fake so much, you know, like posing in front of this car you don't own or being on these beautiful vacations and, all of those things. It's just like the fakery. And I think that when you don't position yourself in that way, you get people that reflect your authenticity, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's so interesting because actually I went on your Instagram and I, I was much more interested in what you wrote <laughs> than, Thank the, you. than the images. <laughs> and that, in a way it's like, as you were saying that, I'm like, wow, like what if you just purposefully share really basic photos So people have to look at the captions because they're asking themselves, why are you posting this, right? Ooh, that's a good idea. (laughs) You know, like I remember actually you had one about the sunset and I just loved, I mean, I read at least two of your posts and the captions and just felt so drawn into you. And I saw you and I felt you as a human and like, that is what I want. That is the experience I want to have on social media. I just feel uncomfortable, kind of cringy when I see all these selfies, not because I don't think people should be proud of who they are, but it's just to go back to this idea of they're posting that way because they feel like they have to, or that's the way it is. That's the status. And, you know, I'm on my way out of that. I was certainly deep in that world for many, many years, given so much of my work was based on social media and and generating income from that. And it is such a relief not to be doing that. Barely at all do I make money from sponsorships or whatever else I used to do or selling courses I'm even moving away from because it just was taking me away from the connection that I wanted from the learning the education the the just witnessing other human beings and it was putting me in this place of constantly thinking about how do I get what I want out of this mm-hmm. you know whether it's validation or not I even have a problem charging people, to be honest. It's like, like, especially with what I do, you know, it's like my goal in life is to reduce suffering for anybody, anybody. So it's like, how do I position myself as a helper, but then still be able to make money? And like, who am I comfortable charging this amount for, you know, and like, it's always very like a gray kind of thing. And because I grew up poor, 
and I've had to kind of work my way through these systems, I have like this empathy and compassion for women that are suffering. And it's like, now I'm going to charge you, (laughs) you know, for this. Like, that's why I post a lot. I write a lot. I try to teach a lot on there and give out as much free stuff as I can, workshops, all the things, because it's like, when people are suffering, it's like, now you're going to make them pay. And we just came off a pandemic. Like, it's just feels yuck. It feels yuck to me, you know? And it's a really hard place to be in because we still live in America, right? Like, we still need money to eat and pay the bills and all of that. But just, I don't know, it's still something that I'm definitely struggling with, you know? Just, I wish I could do everything for free and live and just give and, you know, but that's not real life, you know? So the balance for me is just just write a ton on Instagram. And, you know, if someone wants to get on a call, it's free. The first one, right? Like come talk to me for an hour, two hours, unload. Like, I mean, I don't know. I really don't know (laughs) what the balance is for that. But all I know is that I have a difficult time. (laughs) Yeah, I can relate. And, you know, this is why I've been so drawn to podcasting is because you show up and, you know, people don't have to pay to listen to your podcast. Although, you know, that I think is shifting and will be shifting more. So we'll see that as an option in the future. But for the most part, podcasts are this amazing free source of information. And, you know, I generate revenue through sponsorships and through other people paying me so that I can keep it free for the listener to give them value. And I think for someone like you, you know, your wisdom, I'm so grateful that you're here today because, you know, if someone's not paying attention to your Instagram posts, hopefully they at least tune into a (laughs) podcast episode. People don't read anymore. That's the thing. Everyone's like, why do you write so much? I'm like, I don't know. Like I'm a writer, so that's what I do. And that's the platform I'm, I'm not comfortable taking pictures of myself either. It just makes me cringe the fuck out. Like I cannot, like, I just can't, you know, I'm like, I'm gonna just throw a quote up here. Like I'll do a reel or something. Now I'm gonna have to do reels because like Instagram won't move anything if it's not a reel, you know, I'll get like however many thousands on a reel and then like three people that re you know, that see my, that actually get to see a post. Right. So it's like, now you're making me perform (laughs) on camera. Like I just can't with that, you know? Yeah. It kind of goes against, yeah, I don't know if I want to say it goes against my values because I still do that, but I just don't fucking like taking pictures of myself. I really don't. I really don't. It's like, come, like, why? Why do you need to see me? Well, it is that performative element of it, though, you know, there's so many ways to dissect that because it's there's so much performance happening in general. And I absolutely agree. I don't want to perform. I don't want to see mm-hmm. other people perform. I want to be in a space of connection and equality. And like, I don't need to see you up on stage. I want to see you across from me like we are right now or in a circular environment. And I'm so grateful that things are moving more towards that community space Mm -hmm. online right now. But even in that process, I'm noticing how hard it is for people to take themselves off the stage and take themselves off the performances. Even You know, we see people really trying to do good work for, you know, being better allies and taking care of the environment and spreading word about the government and health and like all these things that people are trying to do to get involved. But even some of that is performative and it becomes really tricky. Like, how do you spread any message without being performative? 
I don't know if you can anymore. (laughs) You know, I have like today I'm going to a community event at the library here. You know, I honestly don't know that question because I really don't because it's social media, right? It's like, I have a message that I would like to spread, but I will not get any eyes on me if I am not playing the game. You know, it's like, it's like everything, like capitalism, like everything. These are the rules of the game and you got to play. Don't want to play. I'm in resistance mode. I don't like it, but yeah, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. People can perform because it's so fake. There's nothing. There's like whole humans on Instagram with like a, oh, can you hear me? Oh, with like fakery, right? Like I had a girlfriend We teach mindfulness. We went to UCLA Mindfulness Research Awareness Center. We got certified. We've taken, we go on retreats and we do so much work. But then you'll see somebody on Instagram that just like calls themselves a mindfulness teacher or a meditation teacher. And they'll have like a hundred thousand followers and, you know, all these beautiful pictures. And then you say like, oh, what are your certifications? Not that it, you know, it, you have to be certified to know how to meditate or anything, but that it's kind of like, well, I don't, I don't have anything and I'm not really a teacher, but they're getting paid by partnerships and they're sponsored by makeup. And, you know, it's like, well, I'm not playing that game. So I don't know what to tell you. I hope your friends tell me about me, you know, like, I don't know, like word of mouth. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. Maybe just podcasting. I don't know. (laughs) It's definitely shifted my experience for sure, because at least in the current state is it feels deeper in authenticity. But of course, even in the podcasting world, you have all that happening. And it just doesn't feel as in your face as being on a platform like Instagram or even TikTok does. Before March 2020, every guest on this show recorded with me in person because I wanted to ensure the highest quality sound possible. But this took extra time and effort to produce, plus it limited me to people who were visiting or living in Los Angeles. When I switched to Zencaster, I realized how much easier remote recording was for me and my guests. Now everyone can easily record studio quality sound from the comfort of their own homes. If you want to try it out, visit Zencaster.com and enter the code WELLEVATOR to receive 30% off your first three months of the pro plan, which is what I use. I can't wait to hear your show. So send it over to me as soon as it's live. And that reminds me of speaking of you speaking. I saw that you had done a talk called No More Nice Girls, the impact of microaggressions on our power, safety, and sanity. And I was very intrigued, like, what does that mean? I want to hear more about what that talk was. Well, we get gaslit, right? I think that's the most, like, there is a lot of emotional manipulation that happens with women in the workplace, at home. It's like this hierarchy that gets, like, set up and positions you as, like, a caretaker, no matter if you're a mom or you're in the workplace or whatever. You're kind of taking on extra work, And the microaggressions influence that because it puts you in a position of low self-worth. And then it's like you have to prove your value, you know, by overworking, doing better than everybody else, outperforming, staying longer, doing all of those things. So it's like the microaggressions. You know what? The thing is, this is what I want to say, first of all, is that like, I don't think that there's very many people that consciously 
are like being very rude or negative and they don't really have like an awareness that they're saying things that might be offensive. I don't want anybody to feel like that, that white guilt, you know, I just wish that we could like clear this up. When you grow up in a certain environment surrounded by certain people and you do not have other people in your life, diverse people, people of color, socioeconomic status, like whatever. What are you supposed to think? Like, how are you supposed to know any different? You know, it's kind of just what you see on TV. And I'm 36. When I was younger, I was watching cops on TV. And when you look at in the 90s and you look at cops, they were just like capturing Black people, like, you know, and arresting them on TV. And so it's like, Of course, when I was in Torrance and I had all my white friends, they might have had all these kind of impressions about Black people, brown people being criminals. But like, is it their fault that they grew up like in this all-white town with all-white influences, all-white teachers, TV that showed brown and Black people acting this way or even women acting a certain way? Like, we have our biases. We have like this conditioned mind, you know what I mean? So it's, I don't think that people are like out there really trying to cause harm. You know, I definitely don't think that I really don't. And I think that if white people understood that, like, there are people like me that understand, you know, like, maybe like we could get, it's like that, what is that called? White fragility, right? Like when you mention something like, oh, like that hurt my feelings. Like when you said, told me I had to put my hair up because it it looks unprofessional. Stuff like that. That's a microaggression, right? Like this is my hair. I'm a black woman. It's curly. It's big. I can't help it. This is what I look like. For you to say that that's unprofessional, you're aligning professionalism and success with whiteness, which I am not, right? I am not white. So those are microaggressions that make us feel like we don't belong, right? So I think it's just like an awareness thing. You have to be aware. And I think that people need to diversify their friend group. I always tell like my friends, if I'm your only Black friend, like you're fucking up. You got to go meet some other Black people, you know what I mean? Or brown people and like put yourself in community with other people and then ask yourself like, why? What is it about me or where I'm living where I don't have one person of color in my life? Like, why would that be? Is it because of me, my environment or what I, how I speak or how I think? It's just like the mindfulness will give you all of that clarity because in this, the way that we think, you know, we have 62,000 thoughts a day, 85% of them are repetitive, the same shit you thought the other day and all of our implicit bias They're all here, unconscious, just like swimming in the background. And so like when you're practicing mindfulness, you grow like the separation between like you and your thoughts. So you can look at them objectively and then you could kind of get curious about like, where did that thought come from? Is that thought true? Oh, I see now, you know, where I might've got that from and how is it affecting my life and the people around me? You know, it's really is the work that everybody needs to do in order to be in community with diversity, you know, and especially now in 2022, after that fucking shit show, Trump years, pandemic, everybody being like, everybody's really like highly sensitive and half the country, oops, my ear, 
half the country feels differently than you do, right? Like you're not going to just stop talking to half the people in your life, even though I've (laughs) had to take space from some people or say, Ooh, I don't know if I want this friendship in my life anymore. But like to think that you could do that in all areas, aspects of life is just ignorant. You know, like I'm going to have to learn how to be in relationship with people who look and think differently than me and then be okay. You know, not feel dysregulated. Like I'm about like this kind of like, you know, like we're about to battle or something, you know, it's like, we really have to protect our safety in that way by just realizing that people aren't bad. (laughs) Really, I think everybody's really good. It's just like this cultural conditioning, like tofu, right? Whoever said that smart. It's like people are like tofu, whatever you put it in, that's the flavor. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would take the heat off your back. It's not your fault, you know? Yes. Well, that probably resonates with my audience because many of them are plant-based. So they're probably like, oh, now I get it. (laughs) (laughs) True. That also ties into... Uh, another topic I wanted to get into, which was about boundaries and for you sharing like how to navigate when to protect yourself versus when to stay open-minded. That's something that I have always struggled with and realized probably in the past five or 10 years, like, wow, I, I need to do a lot of work around my boundaries. I think women in general tend to struggle with that. And I've been getting better at it, but I find myself in moments of wondering like, where or when or how to set up a boundary, right? It's it's like, okay, to your point, is something hurting my feelings? Does that mean I need to protect myself from them? Or does that mean that they're pointing out something about me that I can work on, right? And that's that's really tough sometimes because we can get into this like self-defensive standpoint of like, oh, like that doesn't make me feel good. So that must be bad for me versus that didn't make me feel good but maybe somebody has a point and I can reflect on it, work on it and shift myself. And then that will feel good. Like that I struggle with determining sometimes. And I find myself like feeling very lost, second guessing myself and looking to other people to help me make the decision. What I want to practice is like really understanding what my boundaries are and feeling rooted in that, grounded in it into a sense where I don't need to ask other people for guidance if that's possible. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible because I love a mentor. I have about 52 of them because I think like you need some wise people around you, people that have done it before, people have been through it before. So I always have mentors. So I'm always questioning that. But for me, my boundaries are really about self-care and my ability to be well, right? If I cannot be well, meaning regulated, not feeling like dysregulated, heart beating fast, sweat, uncomfortable. Like if I can't work with that in a real way in the moment, I know I need a boundary, you know, like I just need a boundary and boundaries aren't for forever, right? It's not like I need a bound, like I have a girlfriend, you know, we align, which is crazy to me because we've been friends for so long, but politically we're a little different, you know? And her thinking differently than me was like a real, like, I couldn't handle it because I'm like, bitch, I know you. What are you talking about? You're going to vote for this or you're going to vote for that. Like, I'm your black friend. Like, why the fuck would you do that? You know what I mean? But in her mind, like, it wasn't as like top of mind for her because she's a white woman, white family, whatever. So like in her mind, she wasn't, it was like, why are you so angry with me? She just like couldn't understand 
and was unwilling to understand. So like the willingness, like you're not even willing to understand what I'm saying. I need a boundary. You know what I mean? From you, because you're not even willing to hear me, to see me. And I thought you did see me and I thought you did hear me. You don't. And it's making me feel really dysregulated. And like, I cannot be well in the moment when I'm in conversation with you. I'm going to put up a temporary boundary just for the time being. And she was like, okay, I understand. I love you. I just don't get it. And I'm like, at this point, you're trying not to get it because it's so, I mean, like you're, there's so many resources, Google bitch, like read a book, listen to a podcast. There's so many things that you could do to kind of get my perspective. And if I'm your best friend of whatever, however many years, and you've seen my life and like what I've had to go through, then, and you still don't get it. You're just like willfully ignorant. I still love you. I just got to take a break from you. You know what I mean? And with my family, (laughs) you saw how I was talking to my family before (laughs) we started recording. You need to get the hell out of here. You need to, you know, like, I think it really is about self-love, you know, like I need to be well, period. If I'm not working, It doesn't matter what you think or feel, doesn't matter because I'm not working. I'm not well. I can't concentrate. I feel dysregulated. And that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what you think or feel about my boundary. Your feelings have nothing to do with me and they're none of my business. All I know is my business and I don't feel well when I'm around you or there or there. And so that's the boundary. And I think like, you know, For us, we're so concerned with being nice, right? Like we don't want to be mean. I don't want to be mean. I don't want anybody to think that I'm mean, but that's culture thoughts, right? Why the fuck can't you be mean? (laughs) Someone's trying to invade your space and time. This body has wisdom. It feels dysregulated because that's a boundary being crossed. You know, we don't have, we try to intellectualize things a lot. My whole goal is tune into your body. Your body knows the truth, right? Your body will tell you what's up and it doesn't matter what you think or feel about it because your body's telling you what to do, right? I'm getting really anxious. I'm getting stressed out. I feel super uncomfortable. It's just like if you were walking at nighttime and you had your purse on you and there was like strange people, you would feel really kind of dysregulated. You'd be scared. You'd be fearful. You would change your behavior because there was danger present, but We don't really do that when our self-care is in danger in that kind of way. But if we let it be like that over time, it chips away at your abilities to be well, you know, and then you kind of just die inside, you know, and you just get ran over. And with, you know, being a mom, it's like, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking when I, like, I literally don't. Like I, you become a mom and then it's like, you think that you're just supposed to dedicate your whole entire being, right? You don't need sleep. I don't need to eat. I don't need to shower. I don't need to do anything. My whole life is just dedicated to these kids and I lose all my friends and then I don't have any hobbies and that business that I wanted to start, that shit's going on the back burner too. I'm a mom now. It's like, you are going to (laughs) die slowly inside if you live your life like that. But I did it for so many years because I was thinking culture thoughts. Like that's what I saw on TV. That's what, you know, I witnessed my friend's moms act that way. You know, my mom didn't have a choice, bitch had to go to work, right? But like my friend's moms that were stay-at-home moms, they just like so dedicated to their children. So, but then now 
kids leave and now they're shell of a human, right? I don't know what to do. I don't have any hobbies. I don't have a career. I don't, all the things, you know? So I think that when we set our boundaries around our self-care and our ability to be well, that it's setting up our future self when those kids leave or when that job is done or whatever to feel fulfilled. And it gives you kind of an idea of who you are and what you value, right? It really roots you into who you are if you stop giving a fuck about what so-and-so is going to say about your boundary, you know? Like, who cares? On your deathbed, you're not going to be like, John hated my boundary. (laughs) You know, you're going to be like, I wish I would have made boundaries and had a life, right? Like, so, yeah, I just think we got to be a little bit more fearless, you know, when it comes to that and just let people have their feelings about however you decide to live your life and make it none of your business because it's not. Mm. Yeah, that reminds me of, I think I saw this on your Instagram account and wrote this down. It was a quote from a woman whose name you'll probably remind me of, uh, who said, what's in the cup is for me. What runneth over is for y'all. Who was that? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's Iyanla Van Zant. She's so Mm -hmm. great. She's on Oprah all the time, but that's true. You know, like we got to fill your cup first, you know, like whatever that looks like for you. I really highly suggest everybody meditate, you know, and not like how you think you're supposed to meditate. Like mindfulness is really cool because you could do it doing anything, right? Like I could make right now my mindfulness practice by paying attention on purpose with curiosity and openness, a willingness to be with whatever is. Right now, it could be my mindfulness practice. So it's a quality of attention, right? So I really want women. And you know what? It's hard to sit down like for five, you know, I'm going to meditate and just like sit in silence. It's like, let me just peel my skin off right now and run for the fucking hills. Like who wants to do that? You know, it takes a lot of work. It's hard. But I think that the way that we've been taught to meditate is just like it's old school and it's really like patriarchal in a sense where it's like a man could sit there, you know, and meditate in silence and has alone time because wife is taking care of the kids or, you know what I mean? Like you have that ability, you know, but with women, it's like we got to move, right? Like, I don't know if your audience or, or you have a lot of moms on here, but they're probably like, sit down and meditate when? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, what are you talking about? So like my whole thing is like, do it on the go, right? You got to do dishes, right? You got to fold laundry. You have to have a conversation with your kids. You could have that quality of attention, you know, anywhere you go. So I forgot, I lost my train of thought, but I really highly suggest that everybody have a meditation practice in whatever way feels comfortable for you and what works for you, because it will root you in reality, give you clarity and kind of like tune you into like what you really want. So we're like not thinking culture thoughts. We're thinking, okay, what do I want? What do I need? What do I, and give yourself what you need. We're not waiting for anybody else to do it. If you need a rest, bitch, take a nap. You know what I mean? Like you don't need permission. You don't need permission from anybody to do anything. You know, it's like, oh, I got all this work to do. I got to do these, fuck those dishes, fuck that work go take a nap. You need it. You know what I mean? We don't do it. Literally. We'll just like run ourselves ragged and be so exhausted. And then you're like, I'm so unhappy. Well, duh. You're not giving yourself what you need in the moment, you know? Very performative, even in the mothering, right? It's like, stop. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And it's, it's such a 
lighthearted, but so poignant because I think we're constantly feeling that we should be doing something else. And this has been probably one of my biggest lessons in the past few years. I remember right before COVID hit the US in the you know big way that it did, and I say that because it feels like the timeline for COVID could mean so many different things depending on where you're looking at it. But for me, it was in January, 2020. And given that COVID felt the most intense starting in March, I remember those first months of the year feeling like I almost felt paralyzed by this conflict within myself that I I can't even fully describe now, but it was like what a lot of people would describe as burnout. But in hindsight, I don't know if it was burnout. It was almost going back to what you said towards the beginning. My body was trying to tell me that I needed to rest, but my mind was panicked. It's like, you can't rest because you're not allowed to. You got to hustle. You got to make money. If you stop, even on the weekends, for me as an, you know, an entrepreneur, freelancer working for myself, like I struggle even to take the weekends off. And so it's like, no, you just, you can't stop. You got to keep going all the time. But I was just so tired. All I wanted to do is rest. And so for me, I experienced something that I, I heard a lot of people sharing was that when quarantine first started, it was like, thank goodness, wait, the whole world's resting. That means I can rest too. Wait, we can't leave our homes. Great. I don't have to go do all those things. Like I don't have to do anything. And it was this relief and I could feel it within myself and the ripple effect from others experiencing that and collectively watching the same TV shows and playing the same video games and making the same foods. Like when I look back over the past year and a half, two years, you know, people, everyone's talking about the same things. And it it brought together this bonding of that community that I've been yearning for. And I guess I find myself really hoping that we don't go back to the way things were back to normal because that normal didn't feel good to me. And to your point, I don't know how good it felt to anyone. But then on the other hand, I wasn't a mom. So your experience and many other mothers probably had a completely different experience than me because I didn't have to take care of anyone but myself. So what was it like for you is my question. Do you, did you get to experience that? Yeah, I had my kids home. I didn't, I literally was, I didn't take care of them. <laughs> I joke, obviously, like I fed them and clothed them, but I did not care about their school. I did not care. You know, I don't care about what you're doing. Listen. I grew up with a single mom that was a waitress with three Black girls who was Japanese in LA. And she did not pay attention to what I was doing because she couldn't, right? She was waitressing two or three jobs. I was a latchkey kid and no one helped me with my homework, all of the things, but I'm okay. (laughs) I'm alive and I'm fine, you know? And so I kind of have, I always have that attitude with my kids. They're going to be okay, you know? Like, even through the pandemic, even all of it, they're going to be okay. It just makes you more resilient. Like, I'm not afraid of nothing. You know what I mean? So like a lot of people were stressing out, oh my God, our kids are losing education and oh, blah, blah, blah. They're going to be so behind. Who cares? Everyone's going to be behind. Who cares? Who cares? Like literally, like you can only control what you can control and everything else is just out the window. Like take the heat off your back. I think that's always the my advice, like calm down everything's going to be okay. I promise, you know, (laughs) like really. So 
it wasn't really like a struggle for me during the pandemic. Yeah, my kids were loud and annoying and I still had work to do. But like I said, I'll go in your room, be quiet. You know, like I'm just that kind of mom. I know a lot of moms are different, you know, but I, I just didn't really care. I don't care. I think <laughs> I just don't. I could only care about what I could care about, you know, and like I didn't have the space to like literally sit down. My son has an IEP. He has like a learning disability and I would have to, and I tried, right? Like when the pandemic first started and they had their computers and they were on their laptops, right? And they were sitting home and everybody had like this online school that they were supposed to be doing. And so it's like, I have to sit next to my kid the whole day. Like, when am I going to be able to do my work? You know, like, when am I going to be able to do the dishes or cook or like actually do like my coaching or my writing? I, I was like, okay, you guys got to do this on your own because I got to go over here and do this. And it was fine. I mean, they're a little behind now, but you know, we got to work with what we have, you know, and check in with ourselves. And that was a, that was a mindful check-in. I don't have the energetic resources to be a teacher to my three children and maintain my house and the bills and all of that. So what has to go? The kids' school. (laughs) Their schooling. Sorry, I got to take it off the table, you know, and it's, there was a little bit of mom guilt, but that just like faded away very quickly because Mama's got to make money, right? Like, sorry, it is what it is. Yeah. But we don't let ourselves off the hook that easily. People have a hard time with that. <laughs> For sure. And it it's actually refreshing to hear that because I heard so much from my friends that just felt like, it was kind of the opposite of that quote of what's in the cup was for other people and whatever was running over was for them. And there wasn't anything running over. Their cups were, I don't know, like I'm trying to go somewhere with this metaphor, but like this large cup that would never be full. So nothing could ever run over for them. And I just, my heart breaks for how tough that must be for someone emotionally. Because I think one thing that comes up for me all the time is wow, like, I feel like life is tough being childless, you know, (laughs) like, wow, being a mom, like, I can't imagine adding that to my plate sometimes. Sometimes just taking care of my dog feels like a lot. And so it, it gives me this, like, sense of awe for mothers. But then I also recognize that being a mom can be all sorts of things. And you can go against the status quo of motherhood, too. I'm just like, a lot of things that you're sharing that might seem like against the grain, but that's what works for you. And that, and coming back to that core sense of being okay, I think that's an incredible lesson to give your children. You know, like you're teaching them how to do things on their own, you know, and what an incredible education that is. So it's like, it's not that you weren't giving them education, you just weren't giving them the classroom education, but what an education you were giving them about life just by showing up in that way as a mom. And I think that's amazing. Yeah, I don't know if they think it's amazing. But you like I but you know, you kind of mom the way you were mommed, right? Like my mom was gone, so I didn't know how to mom. <laughs> you know, like all my mom did was to make sure that we were loved, you know, like and that she saw us and that she heard us. She couldn't be there, but she was there in spirit and she always reminded us to be kind and have compassion and, you know, it's a mindfulness saying, but like turning towards, not away, right? Like when someone's having difficulty, I'm not resisting any of that. I'm there for you. You know, I I love you. Like that's what she taught me. So like, you know, she wasn't there a lot, but the core of her mothering was like, I love you. And so my kids 
they know that they're loved. And I know that like, in order to be a successful human, you need to feel like someone loves you, right? You need to feel like you're cared for, that that you're worth something, you know? So as long as I'm giving my kids that, I feel like I'm doing okay. You know, like they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. It's okay. Like no matter what shit show is happening, they're going to be fine. Well, I couldn't think of a better note to end on than that because that's like <laughs> the greatest message. In order to be a successful human, you need to know that someone loves you. And it circles back around to some of the things I was reflecting on earlier. Like when something doesn't feel good to me, I've, I've noticed lately, oftentimes it's when I don't feel like I belong. And so mm-hmm. what do we feel when we feel loved? We feel like we belong. We feel like mm-hmm. we're cared for. We're connected. So if we don't feel like we're belonging, maybe we don't feel loved, seen, heard. And so that gives us the opportunity to turn towards a place that does offer that to us. And to your point as well, like really connecting with incredible people, like your friends that you mentioned and how much they have been there for you, no matter how you've shown up in life, they love you for who you are. And they love you even when you set boundaries and you have to circle back to the friendship at another time. It's just so many incredible points that you've made today. And you've left me with a sense of love within myself. So you you just have that energy. I said that to you at the very beginning, I think before we started recording, that you embody that love and that care while also simultaneously taking care of yourself first, which I think is also the big lesson here is a lot of us feel like we have to care for other people in order to be perceived as a caring person. And then we can care for ourselves afterwards. But perhaps caring for ourselves first is the ultimate way that we can care for other people. And it's like that cliche of putting on the oxygen mask first, but also going back to the even less cliche quote that you shared about the cup running over, that I think is really going to stick with me. I won't be able to look at a a cup, you know, again, you know, they have that... (laughs) You do you see the glass half full or half empty, but I think there's another way of looking at a glass. It's like how much of that, what's in that glass is for you. Mm-hmm. The whole glass is for you. The whole glass, take it all. <laughs> and you know what? If we want to dismantle patriarchy, I don't know if your audience is into that. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. It's just taking care of yourself. It is an act of resistance. It is, you know? We have been taught to take care of everybody. We keep this whole shit afloat, this whole country. Literally, you could just tell who runs your house. It's like, you do. (laughs) You know what I mean? I run this house. I, You know, like, this is what I do. But we've been told that's our only job is this, you know, housework, taking care of everybody. It's like, yeah, that's my work. But also let's like take this energy, like all these tools that we have and like take it out into the world because the world needs us now. We need some feminine energy, not just women, even men that have like more feminine qualities, like the collaboration, compassion, care. We need that, right? Girl, look at what the fuck is happening. We need it right now. So it's like you have to, you can't take care of this wider problem issue without taking care of yourself first. So it really is, it's not just for you. It's for your family. It's for your kids. It's for your communities. It's for our society. 
in order to make a difference, we have to take care of ourselves in a real way. Not that bullshit, eat vegetables, do yoga, you did it. No, no. Setting boundaries, self-love, self-care all the way. How do I feel? I don't like this feeling. I'm going to change it in this way. This person's got to go. This show has got to go. I got to clean my feed, all of that stuff. Like that's real self-care, right? Like mental and emotional self-care. I am very grateful to have Zencaster as a sponsor. They have been so supportive of the show through social media and newsletter shout outs. Plus, they have truly incredible customer service. Their all-in-one podcast production platform keeps getting better and better because they take user feedback seriously. I'm especially grateful for the HD video recording features, which makes it easy to put this show on YouTube and social media. If you want to try it out, visit Zencaster.com. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com. It's free to try, and you can enter the code WELLEVATOR to receive 30% off your first three months of their pro plan, which, as I mentioned, is what I use for the show. If you have any questions about podcasting, send me a message, and I'd be happy to share more tips and tricks. Thank you so much. I love the way you talk and phrase these. You've made me laugh. I've been nodding the entire time. I just, I love it all. Thank you. Thank you Thank for you. showing up in this way. And and for anyone who's wanting to lean more into you, I'm going to link to all the amazing work that you do. You mentioned your Instagram, which we'll share, and we'll get a bunch of people reading your captions and appreciating oh, yay. them. <laughs> <laughs> yay! You also have offerings, and as much as it can be tough to share some of those sometimes, I just love to know, what are you offering? What are you working on right now? How do you support oh, people? So many things. Okay, so I have a Food Body Self Facebook group. It's totally free. It's me and my colleagues, Alicia and Vitalis and Maria, and they're, we have licensed therapists in there and nutritionists in there, and we write content every week. There's a teaching every week. It's free to join. So there's a lot of valuable information in there. I run a food body self coaching group, but it's closed right now, but it's going to open up, I think, in March. And I probably won't be coaching it. One of my homies will, but they're amazing. And then I have my own coaching. I love coaching women who are in difficult relationships, like either with their partner, with work, with their children. I love really kind of complex and nuanced situations, you know? So I do personal coaching. And then I have, I'm working with a new woman. Her name is Rachel. And it's a program, Mindfulness for Teams, It's called Year of Living Better, and it's for big businesses that are trying to incorporate wellness in the workplace. So um, that's really important because I think that we could really change culture when we're like working with corporations and tech companies and getting them to be well because they're the ones kind of, you know, formulating our culture, kind of creating it. And so we want people to be well all over the place. And is that all I got going on? Food, body, self, (laughs) my mindfulness coaching, and then year of living better, which is like the corporate stuff. So yeah, I think that's it. But I would love for everybody to join that Facebook group because we have a lot of fun in there. Yeah. Well, count me in to join. I'm not not the biggest fan of Facebook these days, but... Me either. A group like that is is always worth it. So I will be there. I hope at least the listener will be there as well. And we can form our own little community within your community. And I I absolutely 
think it's amazing. Your website just gave me such a good feeling when I visited it. Same with the Instagram. So I'm going to link that all to make it super easy. Also, I did a TEDx talk a little while back and I would really love for your audience to listen to it. You know, it's called What the Fuck Face, like your path to wisdom. I told you, body has wisdom. Your brain will lie to you, but you got this what the fuck face all, all the time, I'm sure. It's like, listen to that face. <laughs> Answer that question. What the fuck's happening here? You know, so yeah. I would love for people to go and watch that and like really, you know, get in touch with your body's wisdom. Oh, I can't wait. I'll be watching that too. I'm just going <laughs> to soak it all up and I'll link I cuss to it a all. lot. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I, I cuss a lot. Even in the TED Talk, they're like, I'm like, can I cuss? They're like, mm. I'm like, sorry, but there's <laughs> going to be a cuss word in the title somewhere. Sorry. <laughs> I don't mind at all. You know, the show's explicit because I really want everyone to be the full, true expression of themselves. And I accept that fully. And I imagine the listener does too. Otherwise, they wouldn't be listening. So Appreciate it'll you. all be linked over at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. There's a full transcript. There are quotes there. The YouTube video will be there eventually. And all the contact information for reaching out and being more in touch. So thanks again for sharing this, for holding the space and taking some time away from your family to focus on yourself and others. It has been just lovely getting to know you conversation. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.